Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time talking for about. Mortgage Matters. Here we are. It's 9.05. We've got another live Mortgage Matters for you today. So happy to be here. Happy to have my partner in crime, Jason Grody, back in the studio. Glad to be back. <laughs> I bet you are. You were on vacation last week for spring break. Yeah. How was it? It's good. I went to Daytona Beach and danced around with all the uh, <laughs> other young, hip people. Right on. You, you, know? were, you were on MTV? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> beach party kind of thing? Cool. Uh, I went down to San Diego for my kids' spring break, and we uh, we camped and did all that fun stuff in San Diego. It was great. Right on. Yeah. How was it here? I didn't really have a spring break. I mean, it was like normal, you know, went <laughs> to work. and. <laughs> well, your kids aren't in school yet. Yeah. Don't worry. We'll get you lots of spring breaks when it's school time. <laughs> Good. Yeah. You deserve it. Yep. Well, heck, I'm having, I'm having uh, headphone trouble now. Are you? Yeah. And my stuff's all making noises. I got a text and now my computer's making noises. I'm just not in good radio I'm not, form. I'm not connected to the internet as long as we're just complaining about things. <laughs> Did we change the password here? Uh, I don't believe so. I think it's the same one that's on the I wall. I mean, there. my computer, like, it knows this Wi-Fi, and today it doesn't know it. Huh. Huh. Well, it says I'm connected. That's weird. Oh, mine just... I was weird. connected until you said that, and now I'm no longer connected. Huh. Wonderful. All right. Well, we got to do a commercial. Yeah. (laughs) We'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. Not yet. Not yet. (laughs) Well, you missed a great show last week. We had Mike Points from the office. He was on. And um, we had a guest. We had Jessica Steely, I think was her name. If I'm remembering, I'm not great with names. I could pick her out of a crowd, though. Um, But she was with... uh, Sems and Co. Remember oh. when we had Turco Sems on? What was it like? Three years ago, four years ago. Yeah, we had Turco on. Is she about, the new owner? Yeah. Well, new president. Oh, okay. She's the president of the company. Young gal, really energetic and and smart. Um, just enthusiastic about building and building energy efficient homes and and quality homes it was a it was a good conversation really enjoyed having her on i saw a sims and co uh resale house listed recently i think it was in templeton and um i mean the listing boasted that it was sims and co and you, you know talking about all the amazing ways that they built it to make it more energy efficient and using green materials and stuff like that. And then the house itself was quite affordable. And I was like, man, there you go. It's like, uh, I was, <laughs> I was listening to Bob and Tom this week. Do you guys still listen to Bob and Tom? No, no. You got tired of just hearing them laugh at themselves. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, Bob and Tom. It's like the yeah. constant laugh track. Well, they're I one like... of our stations actually. So yeah, I do listen to it. Yeah. I kind of, that's, I think kind of the reason why I, 
I listen to it is mm-hmm. the the novelty of it, and so I'm kind of tired of the way they all just give each other crap the whole time on the show, and then all the laughter is funny. But mm. anyway, they the the funny thing this week is they were talking about um, hot rods, mm. and now the best thing to do is to buy one from somebody getting divorced because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they spend <laughs> all of the money on it, and then they have to sell it. Uh-huh. And I was thinking that. Um, that's the that's the way to buy one of these custom homes that's like fully upgraded and all awesome, man. Let somebody else build it for you and then just buy it on the resale. Had to have been a savings, right? Sure. Who knows? Um well, did you guys talk the uh employment numbers last week and do all that fun stuff? We sure did. Yeah, we talked about it. That's a it was big news. That's the week I'd really don't like to miss. That's the fun week where you know there's lots to discuss. Yeah, we can revisit it. I feel like the employment report and well, I I feel like the employment report and to some degree and the the last Fed meeting are still kind of directing interest rates right now while a lot of the news still remains fairly good. You know, we had a great retail sales number this week. We've had we've had generally good data, but the Fed kind of redefining where they want to see certain metrics and having a pretty dismal uh, March employment report has has kept rates on a steady to slightly downward trend, which I think is good timing wise. Um, timing wise, we're looking at you know, entering this home buying season right now. Most economists have really switched their um, forecasts. I, I think it was something like 50% of economists believed that June was going to be the the date that we started to hear some announcements about raising rates. Right. And that's really shifted. I think 17% in the last survey thought September would be the time. that. It, so more were thinking that it would be earlier. And then I even more thought it was going to be like April, like this month. Um, but now what we're seeing is about 72% of, of economists believe that September will be the time. Hmm. So that's, that's really the consensus now is that we're not looking in, for rates to begin going up until sometime after the home buying season's concluded. Yeah. I feel like I've always thought that we were probably looking towards the end of the year like that. But you know, last week we got a read of the minutes um, of that last Fed meeting where you get a little bit more insight than the statement about w- where some of the leanings are and whether anybody wanted to move rates already. Um, and, you know, one of the things is that Janet Yellen sort of wanted to to make it known that they wouldn't tie it directly to inflation, that they they may not hold out exactly for the inflation number that they've been looking for. And then therefore, I think just kind of setting the stage that, hey, it could it could happen in spite of you guys tracking just that metric. Because it I mean, otherwise, what were we told? The employment numbers was the big thing, right? When the jobless rate got down to 5.5%, that that was like go time. And now we're there. And that held steady through the last month. Uh, You know, and I'll tell you what, this week we got a smattering of uh, bank profits in. um, And I do want to talk a little bit more about those bank profits uh, later in the show. But uh, interestingly enough, like you said, Dan, economists are, you know, when they're they're suggesting what's up next, um, it reminds me of how terrible 
these guys have been lately at predicting all of these things. Uh, all throughout this recession, the expectations are seldom accurate. And, you know, that was in terms of looking forward here, I don't know really what to expect. I don't know who's right. I feel like we only can go day by day anyway. Um, in terms of these bank profits, you know, they all talked about origination volume and how much loans they've been doing and um, whether or not that's, you know, in line with what the expectations were for the this first quarter of 2015. And they're off so bad. It was, um, and as you recall, last year, we exceeded what they said we would do as an industry. This year, we're already beating it by more than 25%. Um, it seemed like a lot of the things, like even still, like this week, there was a housing starts number where um, the economists missed it badly, and now they blame it on weather. But didn't you know there's weather this time of year? It's, I just, so far, every number that's wildly missed expectations in the last month or so has been blamed on weather. Well, there's always uh, a good excuse. The employment right? numbers are way down. Oh, it's because it was cold. Yeah. And now retail sales were up. Well, that's because it's warming up. Well, that's because it was windy. You know, <laughs> people had to go buy more kites. I mean, this is no joke. This is what's in every article. It's always it's, blamed on it's the weather. It's kind of fascinating to me, and part of it makes me feel like it's just um folks looking for something to put into another story you know we got to get another story out and it's got to be something to go you know right to the front of the headlines um i was talking with you this week about the new um there's some new disclosures that are coming out in august and man is it going to be a shake-up just like all the others and every company that's dying to have some relevance at all with their advertising, their marketing, that we provide you this excellent service, talks about it as if the sky is falling. And I really think part of it is just because they have nothing better to do than try to sensationalize something that's really um, not that big of a deal. I feel like that's what these expectations are. Yeah. I, as far as the mortgage industry specifically, I feel like this has been one of the most boring times that we've had in the last 10 years. There's there's no new loan programs, really. There's no radical changes. There's, there's nothing really transitioning going on right now in mortgage other than people trying to get business. That's right. really all that's going on. So now in August, we're going to have a new disclosure that's going to attempt to replace the way um, consumers are disclosed, fees, points, interest rate, you know, right now we rely on a good faith estimate form that's three pages, a, a GFE itemization worksheet, which is one page, a till, a truth in lending form, which is two pages. Well, if there's two borrowers, then there's two more. Yeah. So then there's, yeah. I mean, we're talking a, a, on a typical loan, eight pages worth of forms that are just trying to tell you what you're paying for this loan. And so now in August, they're, they're trying to consolidate these forms all into one and make it a more simple disclosure. Which, I was, I was. Now it's all the buzz. Everyone's. I'm doing a loan right now it. for a, a gentleman um, and his wife. He's the chairman of a. I won't name the bank because it's kind of funny that he's coming to us for a loan, um, but is chairman of the board and one of the founding members of a pretty significant bank. Uh, and this is not a new bank. This is a bank that's been around for. Um, a number of years. And as we were signing disclosures, I 
I always try to take special care with all of my clients, especially when you're in the industry or you, um, you know, or you're like an attorney or something where, or an engineer where you require very detailed explanations. So I'm really explaining the forms to him as we're going. And I always wonder if they're sitting there going, quit talking to me like I'm, uh, like I can't follow you because I, I own a bank. Uh, and I'm, so I'm just being careful, right? Here's this form and this is what you're signing. And here's the summary kind of thing. And we get about halfway through it and he's like, gosh, this stuff is so confusing. I just can't believe that these forms are, um, it gets overwhelming where you sort of, you go into robo signing mode because you signed the anti-steering and then you signed the anti-discrimination and then you signed the fair lending and then you signed the equal credit opportunity act. And it's like, there's, there's just too much redundancy in the forms. And then altogether, there's so much just superfluous information that doesn't need to be highlighted and signed on its own individual form. Um, and so then we kind of started talking about these new disclosures. I said, hey, don't you worry, though. The government has given us a new, more succinct form that comes out um, in the summertime. And then we both had a good chuckle because the good faith estimate that we use today um, is the government replaced the existing good faith estimate, which was one very simple, easy to read page um, that showed you all of your fees exactly. And now it's a three-page form with a HUD seal on it that says, well, here's, uh, here's box A and this is box B. And if you add box A and B, you get box C, but then less box, you know, B2, now you have your adjusted C3. And the next thing you know, it's like, well, why did you add all this up this way? And the other thing about the new form that's so, you know, much more detailed to help you is it doesn't take into consideration credits that you're getting from the seller, credits that you're getting from the real estate agents, credits that you're getting from the lender, the things that show you what the actual dollar out of your pocket is going to be. It just shows total cost of loan yeah. regardless of credits. Which is, <laughs> how is that helpful? I mean, I... So anyway, I, I say that totally tongue-in-cheek. Um, I'm not convinced that the government is th the best at doing most things. Um, and so we'll have them maybe write up in uh, mortgage disclosures again this year. Maybe they've just seen the error in their ways of changing the good faith, and now they're really going to get it right this time. I'd hope you're right. Yeah. And and if not, you know, it's like like I tell my kids, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. <laughs> You're going to have whatever it is we're given. We'll have to figure it out. We'll have to use it. We'll have to figure out how to explain it. Uh, I don't see why there the can't be three forms. I, I authorize you to to do these things for me. You know, the authorization form, that seems like a good form. Sure. <clears throat> the here's what I'm paying form, the fee, you know, fee disclosure type form. And then the we promise not to screw you form. Right. I mean, it could be that simple. We're not going to discriminate. We're not going to steer you. We're not going to do all these things. We have these governing bodies that tell us that we can't do these things or we go to jail. So we're just acknowledging that we can't do these things and we won't. Right. That's it. Should be three forms. Keeping the honest people honest. Right. <laughs> right? I mean, that's I the like other that. funny thing is oftentimes as I'm explaining the anti-steering disclosure to somebody, and this lists your different options, whether, you know, 
if you have a prepayment penalty, we have to give you an option where there isn't one, you know, risky features and not. Um, and you, so you read through this form and then at the, the bottom of the form, what it says is I'm signing here that I agree that my options have been explained to me so as that I've not been steered into one direction or another. And I just feel like I tell people, you know, if, if there was a, if you were working with a lender that was pushing you into some program or another, this form would be the one where you would go, ha. I figured it out. You you picked that for me. You you're giving me a prepayment penalty with no other option. Um, it it's just it seems silly to me that that's that that's even on the table. And likewise, that form's funny too because no, the industry doesn't police the form. There's no standard way of filling it out. Right. The loan officer really can pick <laughs> what rates go in there, and yeah, you know, no one polices there, it. Well, and it's, it's, known. it's kind of hard to not audit. Like it's hard to audit the form. So, like, we use the form in our company, making it as accurate as we possibly can, but nobody behind us down the road, any of the investors or quality control, any sort of audit that comes, nobody actually looks at the the data, the actual integrity of the form, just merely, is it there and is it signed, mm-hmm. which is... I mean, that's kind of laughable. I do. I think the loan disclosures as the whole needs a pretty good overhaul. I mean, when when the norm is for people to come in and eyes glaze over and roll back in their head because they you're just going on and on and on about the 40 forms they have to sign. It It's not an effective means of disclosing to people. Yeah. <laughs> well, like we were talking this week, that Department of Real Estate form that we had to complete uh, this week is a, is, I didn't actually see the form itself, Dan. It's a simple form. How many questions were there? That oh. uh, the, the oh, DRE yeah. eight sixty six. Yeah, as part of the broker re- license renewal, there's a there's a form on the BRE, the Bureau of Real Estate website, that all loan originators have to complete that are BRE licensed, and it's a it's a form. It asks for your name, phone number, and email address. Those are pretty easy things. And then it asks... I don't need help with that. What function do you perform with your real estate license? Do you originate loans? Do you fund loans? Do you sell loans? And or do you um, service loans? So you check one or up to four of those boxes. Seems pretty straightforward. And then there was a last one that do you... So do you arrange loans or do you negotiate loans? Do you solicit, arrange, or negotiate? <laughs> like, I don't know what the difference is. That's it. That's the whole form right there. There was a frequently asked question section that was six pages long when you printed it out. Six pages of frequently asked questions for for that. For the one-page form. That's crazy. It was insane. If you need wow. six pages to explain your one-page form, you've. You've done it wrong. There's a problem. Is it at least double spaced or is it a tiny print? I mean, there was how many questions were on the six? It was probably like four to five questions per page. So we're talking we're talking Uh, like as many as 30 questions about a form that had your contact info and two questions. One had four boxes that you could check and one had two boxes you could check. Wow. Wild. That's See, a, that's a lot. That's that's the BRE the in next, a nutshell. The right next there. time some I don't even know who makes all this stuff up, but the next time they all get together, they should just involve somebody like a like a, a professional like you or I that, that does this day in and day out. 
but then a consumer and just okay so watch this guy we're going to show you what how he looks going through the disclosure package with somebody that knows the forms well and cares for an adequate explanation and just watch this guy check out right because <laughs> they do they just you know oh it's that's a big problem I mean, even forms like the privacy policy find me a consumer that's like yeah i want you to sell my information and spam me all day long let me sign right that. up for that. where do i sign provided that? that it's an affiliated <laughs> exactly. agency of yours right. yeah. where can yeah. i get my information out to everyone so that i can get more spam i right. just find <laughs> they should just do away with that i find it's funny that banks and financial things even need to ask that i know it's like let me just Give away all my information. Yeah, it's like, yeah. well, they didn't, they didn't opt out, so obviously they want all that. So yeah. Okay, how about we assume that no one wants junk, and yeah. they'll let you know if and, they want it. And then, <laughs> additionally, though, how often is that stuff um, honored? Because it's never honored. I have because there, no one's policing that. Either. I have yeah. several email addresses. I think most people do, right? Doesn't everybody have their email address? Like, if you're going to enter the sweepstakes at the home mm -hmm. show, mm -hmm. you're giving them that like that old hotmail one that you know <laughs> is full of like bed bath. <laughs> and beyond coupons that you don't yeah, care about yeah. um and then like i have my work one that i'm uh -huh. i really need to protect that because it it causes me problems during my day if i if i'm getting solicited to that yeah. i'm like yelling at the person that somehow scammed it and put it in their database and then i have my other highly protected personal one right mm -hmm. so more and more and more i'm finding out lately that my my email addresses that I'm I so guard. I don't put them they're not publicly available and I do not put them anywhere where somebody potentially is going to opt me into something. Yeah. And somehow these companies still manage to yeah. learn those email addresses and send those emails and they're not they're not um you know perfectly blind it's not blind campaigning it's like they know that's me and that's my address and it'll be you know almost as bad as you go look up binoculars on amazon and then a, a day later you're getting an email from some company that sells binoculars you know yeah. it's it's to a, a pretty secure email address so yeah the privacy policy stuff bothers me how about the right to receive appraisal that <laughs> That form shows up several times in the yeah. disclosures, and the law, the federal law now has changed about how disclosure or how appraisals are handled. They go through a clearinghouse. You cannot order it without providing the borrower's email address so that the clearinghouse can provide the report directly to the borrower, mm. completely circumventing anybody in the lending process. Yet you still need to sign a form. Two or three forms. Saying that you understand it's your right to get a copy of this thing. Yeah, there's a clause in the loan application. There's a right to receive appraisal form. And then there's a right to receive appraisal where you designate whether or not you want to hold up the lending process while you review the appraisal. Even though the lending process is going to take much longer than than you're even allowed to hold up the process for. It just, none of it makes sense. I'd love to see it, it there reduced. There needs to be common sense. I'd love to see it reduced to, and even how many of those could be covered on one page? Yeah. Hey, look. You're going to get your appraisal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or or just look, here here comes a form 
and it's these are the things that it says. Your credit score is X. If you have questions about it, here's three phone numbers. Your appraisal, you're paying for it, you get a copy of it. The next one, it's against the law to discriminate in a lending transaction. If you feel discriminated against, call this number. It could be one hot sheet with bold 12-point font that you're just going to sign at the bottom of that bad boy, and you would be like, all right, this here's my one sheet yeah. that if I don't get my appraisal, if you discriminate against me, if you change my fees, if I have a problem with my credit score, whatever it is, I have my one quick fact reference sheet. It would eliminate these long-winded forms full of legalese that just cause people to to begin signing things that they're unclear on what they're signing. Agreed. That's where some focus needs to be placed. Um, but hey, I'm not the guy that gets to write the disclosures. One uh, thing I so. wish, if I can interject, uh, that I don't like is I've got really good credit. So I'm like a 780 or, or almost even a 790 or something like that. You look like a guy that has really good credit. I do have good credit. And so, and a lot of it is because I've, when I've had um, bought a car, yep. I've walked in there and, and I don't, I don't promote doing it this way at all, but I've gotten into car accidents. And so I've had to go in to buy another car. So I walk in there with like seven or 800 or seven or $8,000 to put down on a car, which is a really fantastic down payment. Yeah. I guess my payment's really low. So what happens is like right after I've done that and I haven't done it recently, thank God. Uh, but, um, I get tons of credit card applications. Oh, sure. Oh, tons yeah. of them because I've got great credit and I just went and bought another car and put seven or $8,000 down on it, even though it's not really my money. It's yeah. the insurance company's money. It was. And so I wish there was a way of when you buy the car saying, I don't want all the credit card applications. See, what happens is the, the car company uses a credit reporting agency yeah. that part of their model is to sell your information. Every time they pull credit, that's right. They sell that information. It's part of their contract with that company. Yeah. We, when we first started central coast lending, we had a company and we found they were doing that. Yeah. So we stopped using them. We found a company where we started interviewing the different credit companies and said, Hey, we're uh -huh. not going to use you if you're selling our people's information. Yeah. They charge the us. Yeah. They charge us 20 bucks to run your credit. Right. Yeah. So you're, Let's say I'm a car dealer mm -hmm. and you come in to, to buy a car. And so I run your credit. Mm -hmm. um, within the first hour, your name and phone number and the fact yeah. that you just had your credit pulled for an automotive mm -hmm. inquiry, yeah. that credit lead is worth like 80 bucks. Yeah. The next day it's yeah. worth like 40 bucks. You know, yeah. the day after it's worth like 10 bucks. But so what we found was there was one agency in particular here in town that was selling so we would work hard to find a client get them in the door process their application and run their credit for mortgage and then they would get bombarded with phone and mail solicitations by competing lenders and luckily for us we were um well first of all when we very first started it was like friends and family we were doing loans for so all of a sudden my dad would call me and say hey what the heck man mm -hmm. you like opened Pandora's box here by when I filled out this loan application with you all of a sudden I'm getting bombarded 
Um, so it didn't take long to figure it out. And then, you know, probably more importantly, we're we're still the better priced option even than these solicitors because they're paying for these leads, right? Their overhead's higher and everything. But what a game. Um, and, and here's a good takeaway for everybody listening right now. Um, Dan, I... You and I talked again about this this week. Um, there's a process where you can opt out of solicitations like this. And um, there's a website. If you don't like getting junk mail, those credit card solicitations and stuff, yeah, by the yeah. way, um, one of the ways it works is that somebody that has ability to look at credit, especially if they share a relationship, right? Like, you know how... You know, uh, this company owns X, Y, and Z companies, and then their sister corporation is this other company, and they all seem to be um, involved in the same business, just slightly different pieces of it. Um, So one of the things that they do is they run your credit. Uh, without you knowing it, and they what they do is a soft inquiry. Have you heard of this before? I have not. So when we run your credit. Like for a home loan, um, when we run it, that's a hard inquiry. In other words, the inquiry is posted to your credit report, and you can see who else has run your credit in the last you know, six months or something. There's a permanent record of it. And those inquiries actually have some impact on your overall credit profile. With soft inquiries, these companies have gained the right to look at your credit without actually causing an inquiry. So, yeah, your microphone got killed. (laughs) They get the score without all the detail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, And even sometimes they can see the detail without the score. So I feel like it's a it's just a function of they sort of select what it is they're looking for, and then they get a look at your credit. And this is how you get that pre-approval thing, right? Hey, you're pre-approved for this credit card or this consolidation loan or this home equity line of credit. Um, so anyway, the point here is that those soft inquiries um, do have an impact on your credit. So... An inquiry that you're not authorizing that's actually resulting in junk mail coming into your mailbox um, and phone solicitations and things like these, um, you're actually being damaged by that. So the government has created um, the here's a service. You guys should all go check this out. It's called optoutprescreen.com. So opting out that just like it sounds, opt out pre-screen. And you can go in there and click to opt in or opt out. And what we've found is if you opt out, your credit score actually goes up because you're putting yourself kind of like the do not call list. You're putting yourself on the do not pre-screen list. And I'll tell you what it does right out of the gate. Um, I was so tired of my mailbox being full of the solicitations and the, you know, all of the here's a new credit card, transfer your balance, this, that, and the other. Um, I opted out, and the only thing I get in my mail now is my real mail and, um, you know, like bills and stuff like that. And then also you still get like the the Vaughn's mailer, right, that has the – or the Albertson's mailer that they yeah. put in everyone's mailbox. Yeah. But um, 
it, it really cuts down on the amount of junk mail you receive. So the people that use this are people that are sort of environmentally conscious and don't want to be a part of all the junk mail that comes in and gets thrown away. Mm -hmm. uh, but then also people that want to raise their credit score by as much as five points just by opting out. Um, it just cuts down on all that stuff that's just frustrating. So I always encourage people to go do that. Um, so anyways, if you're interested in it, again, it's optoutprescreen.com. So now if I was to go over and say I wanted to buy another car, would they be able to still check my credit? Absolutely, yeah, because it, you're authorizing that then and there in person. It prevents the unauthorized soft pulls. Yeah. Uh, okay. So those are the folks who are just... It, they, they just pull, do a soft pull to solicit you for something that you don't want. You didn't even know that you wanted, like all those credit card applications you get. I'm yeah. filling up mine right now. There I'll you tell go. you what, um, I personally, unless you're the kind of person that goes, hey, well, what am I going to miss? Right. <laughs> am I going to miss like a, a credit card offer that I might really want? If you're worried about that, then don't opt out. If you feel like... You've got the credit cards and stuff you want, and if you need one, you know how to get one. Yeah, you Google You're it. not missing anything. <laughs> yeah, go to creditcard.com and do some homework. Don't just hit the first solicitation you get. Um, so anyway, it, that's a great resource. I think most everybody should do that. Um, yeah, people don't even know that exists. Maybe they need to add that as a loan disclosure. You know you can, op <laughs> you know you can opt out, right? Yeah, I can see three or four different forms. We've been missing that form. Yeah, it's I can really see needed. three or four different forms yeah. that would help you understand that. Yeah. Um, we do commercial break here. Take some time out to thank the sponsors. When we get back, we're going to be joined by Wes Burke from Patterson Realty. Hope you stick around for more, more matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. We recently made the jump to direct lender. That's right, now we can do your loan in-house, but we still broker too. We choose based on getting the best loan terms for you. We don't know what to call it yet, but you'll call it amazing. Refi or refinance at home, just call 543-LOAN, just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast, Central Coast Lending. What a state of generosity, look what my agent got for me, just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more, but now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. 
Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back. Thank you much for being here. Suddenly, my headphones just got real loud. There we go. You pushed up something over there, huh? That's right. I turned something up. That's right. I don't know. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, you lost yours, though, Dan. No, I'm good. I'm, I'm good over here. Well, then we're all fantastic. All right. Do you have headphones, Wes? My headphones sound great. Awesome. Oh, see? There we go. I think we're all... Perfect. We've all got ears. There it is. All right. Um, did you guys see that uh, plane in Paso today? The 1929 Ford triple engine something or other? You see it? No. Well, it's, it's in the paper. Did you not read the paper? I didn't what's, see it in the paper. What's the paper? Yeah, it's that thing that gets your hands dirty. Dan's got some pieces of it right there. Feel it. It will remind you of your childhood. I've noticed that even Dan is bringing in fewer articles clipped out of the newspapers. There's only three there, Dan. Normally there's well, like nine just, or ten. Uh, it was a slower news week. I was preoccupied with some other projects at work. You know, this is That's the good stuff there. This though. is the good stuff. Plus, I knew we had you, and you always bring... You know, your own stuff. And yeah, I thought I we were doing a fishing stuff. show today, though. Is that what we're doing? Well, yeah, the salmon bite's going off in Monterey, and we're getting the boat ready today. We're going to head up there and get some fresh salmon for the grill. Cool. I can't wait to eat some of that. Yeah, the wind and waves are down. It's going to be a good trip. Woo! I thought this was like, let's talk hookup. Mm, no, wrong show. Wrong show. At Paso Robles Airport today, it is it's it's the airplane a, show. I want to no. I, this is pretty cool. Um, did you guys ever like go take rides on old planes when you were little? No, no, <laughs> no. I always preferred the newer ones. Oh, this well, anyway. coming this coming from the guy who's witnessed like three airplane crashes. <laughs> yeah, but those are those. Yep, without exception, those were all single engine planes. This this plane right here. Has three motors on it, so I think you're in pretty good shape there. Um, it's super cool that you go just look it up on the web. It is on the um, Tribune website right now, but the, it's a 1929 Ford tri-motor, and they're for a fee. They're taking people for flights in this cool old plane. It's really cool, and I think I think it comes down to San Luis Obispo next weekend or something. Dude just kind of takes it on like a little tour around, showing it off. Selling flights for, you know, the novelty, but also uses the money to keep it maintained and around. It's kind of cool. Lots to do in San Luis Obispo County. Yeah. Hey, Wes, the last time you were on um, was a month ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. The very next day, the Sunday, 
I saw a big article in the paper about the median home price and what that bought you. You didn't even tell us that you were going to be featured in an article in the Tribune. Well, you know, I, the media comes to me often for uh, wisdom and advice. Yeah, and so then I saw some of your wisdom, and I'm, I feel like you haven't been part of this show or listening to it for the last <laughs> oh, seven years or so, because you said that part of the problem was that there's... There's no loan programs with less than 5% down payment. And I thought, it's really I thought preventing surely people that from was, buying. I thought surely that was one of those things where the media takes your words and twists them that and they're out of context and they're not even they 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 don't even they're not even a semblance of what they once were. Yeah, I don't I don't recall saying that at all and I don't even remember that appearing in the article. Oh, it did. Oh, it did. Yeah. yeah. I reached out to the Tribune writer. Oh, lit and, you up um, a little bit, did it? It did. Well, it's just frustrating because they 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 try to offer mortgage nuggets to to the readers and they don't contact well, they're trying mortgage to put people. in it's an attempt to ground it with some factual applicable um actual news about what could be obtained so here's just a quiz for you just real quick oh great um yeah uh in san luis county today what would be the minimum down payment for some borrowers zero yeah, and then it, that's if you're not if you're a veteran or in USDA, that's what you'd get is zero percent down. But what if you're just a regular old first time home buyer off the street who um, is interested in a conventional loan? What would be that person's minimum down payment? Three. Three percent. That's very good, man. <laughs> that's exactly right. And then. If you didn't, if you somehow couldn't qualify for that on FHA, which can buy you like a, you could buy like a, you could buy a four unit owner occupied FHA deal here, uh, which I think is a, a million dollars is the maximum loan amount for that. Um, you know what that down payment is? That's, I know Dan knows it. <laughs> <laughs> Five? 3.5. Yeah, 3.5. Yeah. Every um, loan program has a less than 5% down payment option. Every wow. single one. Um, so, yeah, obviously, don't mean to totally string you up about that. <laughs> no, but, that's um, okay. I, and I do, in, in all honesty, I do think that what I had told the reporter was that there are fewer zero down payment programs now than there were when the market was red hot and a few years back. That's, that's definitely true. true. Definitely true. We've got a caller. Someone a gentleman caller. Yeah. Hey, I like hey this guy's guys. name. This is Dan from Oceania. Yeah. Hey, you know, about three weeks ago or so, I was listening to your show, and you were talking about, you know, um, credit scores. Mm-hmm. And uh, I took the bait on, uh, just to let you know, and uh, on that, you know, you keep seeing that thing, Credit Karma? Yep. You know, I actually actually signed up for it. Sure. And it's not a scam. I'm shocked I, I didn't get any. I, I figured out what their business model is. Yeah. Their business model, after they, you know, give you your credit score, on that page, they're giving you offers, you know, hey, here would be a good credit card for you. So the credit card companies are, you know, sort of paying to get the credit score and let people sort of know what, you know. That's what right. The scores are, and I, I think, I mean, I looked at it, and, you know, I get my experience and, you know, order that thing, you know, I was, I'd order every, you know, every, every, every quarter I'd order a report from the other company. And uh, all the information they had was exactly the same. Yeah. It showed up on there, and then they have a credit rating uh, 
I can't remember what the low is, but it goes up to 850. Yeah, that and that. By the way, that is totally accurate. Um, I wouldn't say anything to the contrary. Though those credit services like Credit Karma or FreeCreditReport.com, there's a variety of them. They all kind of stem from the fact that the federal law actually requires that the credit bureaus provide you with a free credit report a year. So yeah. for no charge, you have to have access to that so that you can make sure, obviously, that you know the information contained in there is the stuff that you know to be true and accurate. Um, when you use one of those services, a few things happen. I mean, first of all, you open yourself up to solicitation from other companies. Um, for some people, that's a big deal. For some people, it's not. Um, and then additionally, they generally try to enroll you in some sort of credit monitoring type of thing. And I'll tell you, and, and not just for you, Dan, but for everybody else that's listening, um, one of the problems with the credit game is this, though. When we run a credit report, we run a tri-merge credit report. So we're pulling all three of the bureaus in one consolidated report. But we've also selected the scoring model from each bureau. And what that means is, like Equifax, for example, they offer about seven different scoring models. So some are going to be more conservative and some are going to be a lot more lenient. And depending on the kind of business that you're in and how serious you're taking the risk analyzation, you, you sort of elect a different model on the spectrum Oh, those yeah. those credit monitoring services, um, as a rule, are always giving you the most lenient one. So pretty frequently, we have people that come in that, you know, their American Express bill gives them their experience score every month or something like this, and they know they have a 790 credit score, and we run their credit, and then they have a 710, yeah. and it causes them to be frustrated with us, and it's it's hard to sort of backpedal and explain that, no, the criterion model that we're using is for real risk analysis, whereas those ones are sort of kind of fluffer to make you feel good about seeing this number and it somehow ties you to the goodwill of their company. Uh, but all in all, I think it's actually good that you would enroll in something like that um, or at least get your free credit report every year to make sure that, you know, like I said, the information contained therein is you believe to be true and accurate. Well, I'll tell you something I found very interesting. The uh, page is quite informative, and I knew all this. One of the things that it did, um, I had an 830 is what they gave me, and they showed all my payment, but I, and I know exactly why. Um, they, said I was, they said it was insignificant, but they did show the fact that um, I have some inactive credit cards, and I know I need to go charge a cup of coffee on them or something yep. and pay them off. But I've got one that I use, and I do use you know, up to half of my limit, but I pay it off every month. Yep. And that one they showed, and I've only had it um, six and a half years. They only showed that history for six and a half years. It was like when I went through a divorce, I closed all my accounts and reopened accounts. And they sort of showed that credit history. And they also said one of the things was is I didn't have enough. I wasn't using enough. I should, you know, if I had another credit yeah. card, my, my uh, credit score would be better. We see this, too, where when I get to that disclosure in the loan package that, that gives you your three credit scores and kind of the criteria, one of the things is required by law is that they give you sort of constructive criticism reasons why your score is not the highest attainable 850. And 
I'll tell you, um, those are things that you just cruise over and ignore when you have an 830 credit score. Um, the very top tier for everything that I'm aware of in any industry, the very best credit you could ever have is a 760. And in other words, a 760 is treated the same as an 850. So you're really never going to achieve that very top score. So if you're north of a 760, don't even read those reasons because they're nothing more than frustrating. And um, no, that's exactly what they said. It is. It really is insignificant on yeah. on your score. It's not, you know, don't worry about it type thing. But yep. anyway, I just found that thing very interesting. And I haven't had a single spam email. And I haven't had anything, I have not had any phone calls. Now, the one to avoid, I had a friend that called the uh, the Lending Tree or one of those oh, 800 yeah. numbers. Yeah, they sell your stuff. Oh, man. Got off the phone. It wasn't 10 minutes until he was barraged by telemarketers. Yep. It wasn't 10 minutes. Yep. That's how they make their money. That's quite so common. I just would warn anybody against that one. Come and see you guys. All right. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate hey. it. Good show. Thank you. Well, young Wesley, as you're known in the hood, uh, <laughs> tell me, what's going on? I am trying to figure it out. Man, there are so so many indicators on both sides of the equation, positive and negative. Um, I, I just am scratching my head a lot. But I did bring some information to share and talk about with you guys today. A um, few things that, that I can tell you with certainty – this is a hot market. It's heating up. For buyers or sellers? Well, it's a it's a seller's market. There's a lack of inventory. The lack of inventory is worse than it was this uh, last year, same time last year, significantly worse. There are uh, the buyer activity is really heated up. I'm seeing in our office more multiple offers than we have in the last uh, three, four, or five months. And I, I think that this summer is poised to be a very, very active and an aggressive market. I think buyers that are trying to capture these low interest rates and get out there before uh, price, prices appreciate much more, um, they're going to find a competitive environment, and they're going to need to have their ducks in a row and, and be ready to rock and roll. The more I keep kind of visiting this idea of inventory and what's out there for sale, the more I think it's quite possible that over the next 10 years, we may see home prices double um, just on account of there's not enough there's not enough for sale. And so the more people, especially the longer these rates stay low, the more people that keep buying, the, the few that are up and offered for sale, it just gets more and more competitive. And, um, and also lately I have people that I'm pre I have so many people that are pre-qualified to buy right now and they come in, like I had met with a couple yesterday who were looking for a, um, a payment that was approximately $1,600 a month because they were paying 1250 in rent. Right. So they, they recognize they needed to stretch a little bit. And, um, in the end, as it came down to it, there was already a house they had in mind and everything. And the house they had in mind, the payment was actually $2,700 a month. So um, I'm beginning to see that more and more where people are um, having to kind of be introduced to a budget that's much more than what they thought. And they leave and they go think about it. And then they come back and they go, okay. 
we've sort of tightened the belt and we're figuring out how we can pay more because um, everybody qualifies for more than they feel comfortable paying for. I mean, that's just like the norm. They come in, hey, what's the most I could qualify for? Like, well, you qualify for $3,500 a month mortgage payment. And they're like, yeah, right. I'm. There's no way I'd pay more than 2500 So that's kind of been the case. But I'm seeing more and more people come back expanding well beyond what they originally set as their cap to buy something more just because of how competitive it is and how few properties are available for sale. With the supply and demand out of whack the way it it still is, and going into the home buying season where we're going to see more buyers come to market, do you feel like this is going to be the summer where we fully recapture the values of homes at their peak and people who might still have a negative equity position or a very little equity position believe it or not we're actually doing a loan for someone a harp loan for someone who has negative equity i thought those were a thing of the past but they still exist do you think this is going to be the summer where we where we eclipse the the peak highs in, in prices? Yeah, locally I do. And in fact, I, I have a client, a poly parent, that I, I helped them buy a house um, right at the peak in, um, I don't know, 04, 05, when, whenever it was exactly. And and they have been, you know, their, their child graduated and they've been wanting to get out of that unit, but they've been upside down. It's right here in San Luis Obispo. They they reached out to me a couple of weeks ago. I um, I ran a current analysis and they their values now are back to um, to where they bought. And and I think that's a great example um, that illustrates the answer to your question. And, and I think it's yes. I think that val- we are going to see that. There are still going to be pockets around the county where there may be some negative equity, but I think um, mostly that is not going to be the case around San Luis Obispo County. And, and this particular example in San Luis proper illustrates it. We're, we're kind of back there. And, and I don't think, I don't think we're going to stay there long. I mean, the, I listed a house in um, the Edna Islay area recently. And I, to be honest with you, we priced it about $30,000 higher um, than my analysis recommended. But often when we're working with sellers, they want to kind of test the, the top end of the market. And, and sometimes if the circumstances line up, we're, we're willing to do that with them. And that was the case on this property. We listed it Monday. Um, we put it in escrow yesterday above asking. We had multiple offers. And it just, I, I think, again, is another example of just how hot this market is. This particular buyer came in extraordinarily aggressive, and it was because they had um, experienced not winning a competitive situation or two previous to this. And they wanted to uh, capture the opportunity while the getting is good, so to speak. And they came in, you know, very aggressive in, in order to execute this purchase. And I think that that's what we're going to continue to see. And as long as that's the environment, we're going to see prices continue to escalate. So it's it's tough for someone who's trying to get out and buy a home to be in such a competitive environment. But it's good for the people who have felt trapped and haven't taken the option of simply walking away from their home and ditching their mortgage and going through all that type of stuff. The people who've stuck it out and who felt trapped though, this may be the opportunity for them to, to get out from under the home, move on and, and start to start to get back to living life again. Yeah. And I think <laughs> what we're going to see is a lot of people, um, actually get back into making that next step up. So these people that now, um, aren't going to have to write a check to close escrow, they may now be looking to move from that 1200 to 
you know, 2,000 square foot home. Guys, we got to do a commercial break. We're going to be out for a few minutes. So go freshen up the coffee, water the dog, do what you got to do. We'll be back with more Mortgage Matters. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. All right. Welcome back to Fish Talk Radio. Fish Talk. <laughs> no? No, oh, it's not yeah. Fish Talk. Wes no. is excited. Do you remember Fish Masters? I do, yeah. Fish Masters. It was on after Saturday Night Live on you can, Was that you? Were you one of those two <laughs> no, dudes? No. Yeah. Fish Masters. <laughs> it like came on after SNL or something. Yeah, it was it? late. It night was game. late. Back when I could stay up that way. It late. was like a couple of morons that were like... <laughs> Catching a tire in Laguna Lake every yeah, week. That was some poor quality Catching acting. each other. Weird. One of those guys, actually, when I interned at KSBY, was the director for the 6 o'clock news. Oh, that's how he got the slot. Huh? <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm, yeah. I'm important around here. I'm yeah. going to get my own show. I, <laughs> I heard that one of those dudes had like a run-in with the law or something. That's the same guy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so let's move on from that topic. Yeah. yeah. All right. Shoosh. So in um, case you missed it, Wes Burke from Patterson Realty joined us, uh, what, about middle of the hour last hour? And all he wants to talk about is fishing. Yeah. But we're not going to let him. He's got fish fever. We're going to stick to what we do best. You remember um, during the break, you said, as we were talking about 2014 and kind of what real estate did then, um, and then my question is, how does 2015 relate? You said there's already 30% less inventory so far this year. Well, I, I'm not sure that's exactly the, the right percentage, but I'm, I'm looking at a chart. San Luis Obispo, for example, in March of 14 had 95 active listings. March of this year, there were 63. So, yeah, it's, it's 27, 20-something 20 wow. percent less inventory this year. And so the reason we were talking about that is because you were looking at a – at a chart that, that my company put together um, looking at price reductions in, in 2014. And you, that chart indicates that, you know, there were a, there's some fairly hefty price reductions throughout the year. And, and you're kind of asking, well, why, you know, it, it, if it's such a competitive market, why, why are these price drops so aggressive? And, and my response was that there's a significantly lower level of inventory right now. And that, that's a snapshot of 2014. And I think that we're, we're in for kind of a different, um, a different situation in 15. The other infographic that came out talked about the average escrow time between accepting an offer and finalizing the escrow sale. Um, 41 days in slow for 2014. Um, that's, I mean, how long? 41 days. Wow. To take the offer and close the escrow. Um, I, I'm curious, Wes, I hate to put you on the spot here. Actually, I really enjoy putting you on the spot, if I'm being honest. I can tell. Um, what's the average listing marketing time right now for a property? Like, it, 
like can do you have ability to pull that stat for like the month of March? I think I do. You'll have to give me a, a minute. What to about get in front I? Of me. I feel like there's a difference in the statistic about the entire market versus the statistic that would that would be for the well-priced home, the accurately priced home that's new on the market. Well, well that's, that, a, that's a good point because the the average market time is going to be drastically impacted by mm-hmm. those homes that are drastically overpriced and sit on the market for 350 days. Um, and, and so it's going to make the average, you know, look tell a story that, that doesn't really ref, reflect reality. Yeah, I saw uh, to that point... I. I CNBC is doing this thing every week where they get a realtor from a different city all over the country each week to talk about, you know, a low end, medium end and high end home and and kind of just give us a landscape of what home values look like in that market. They did San Francisco a week or two ago and they they talked about average list time there was somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 days. But then they asked the realtor, like, because every property was going over over ask. So they're like, wait a second. How is it 30 days when everything's going it's above ask? It's the $4 million dollar property that sits on the market for and a year. And they said that really for something that's priced well, it's it's a seven-day market in yeah, San Francisco. And that's how it is here, too, to be honest with you. I mean, I, d- I did pop up the, the average, and, and for countywide, the average is 76 days. And that is just uh, that just does not reflect the reality of the circumstances out no, there. No, like if you took your four hundred fifty thousand dollar house and put it on the market tomorrow, priced at four fifty, it will not be on the market by the end of the week, right? Correct. It won't. If you put it on the market for five hundred thousand dollars, fish and a fool. Um, there's a decent chance it's going to be on the market at the end of the week. You probably are going to get some offers. You're going to get some offers for 450, but um, and, and actually not. And that's a really good point that I'd I'd love for the listeners to 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 heed. Pricing a home in this market is still absolutely critical, and we we see it all the time. In fact, I'm working on a piece of property right now that that started um, overpriced. And I've got buyers looking at it. It's been on the market for 60 days. They've lowered the price multiple times. And the reality is now that property is priced at well, a below market value. I mean, I watch all of the um, – I'm on your website. I, do you do you see, like, when I'm on there? <laughs> no, I can't tell. When oh, you're on there. I'm on there pretty much every night. You know, I, my wife watches a, a TV show or she's reading the Kindle or whatever. Um, but I'm on there every night. I love the recently listed reports where I can see a fresh property. It's every day of the week. You can see a property that, you know, what what got listed in the county on this day, run through the through the property list. Um, I love looking at that kind of stuff. Um, it's amazing to see those properties that get listed that are overpriced. And just me, I see one and I'm like, ooh, that's too high. Uh, a 1,500 square foot in a Tascadero in that neighborhood is not worth 525,000. Yeah, and then, guys, so you watch it, and then you see the reductions, right? Because you guys have a price reduction head. report too. So I see the reductions, and once it's been on the market for a couple months, you go, okay, well, what's wrong with it? And if nobody else wants it, I'm certainly not going to buy it. Yeah, and that happens, and and in what what ultimately happens is that home will sell below market value, and somebody ends up getting a good deal because the majority of the market does what you're describing. It's almost stigmatized it's stig- because it didn't it go fast. <laughs> Clearly, there's something wrong with it, yeah. right? Yeah. Hey, we've got a couple callers here lined up. Um, let's start with Steve in San Luis Obispo. Morning, hey, Steve. Hey, guys. Morning. Good morning. You got a question? Hello? Yeah, we're here. So I think the listing agent 
This is Steve Weiss, by the way. Oh. Um, I think the listing agent truly earns his keep by pricing, by convincing his sellers that pricing is everything. That's where they really earn their money. If they can get them to price, because what's happening right now is typical in any market like, like this is that the any seller is going to want to reach for the stars. But if the listing agent can truly convince the the uh, uh, the seller that by doing so you're truly going to be on the market a little bit longer than than, than you wish, then I think. Uh, uh, again, I, I, I just think that that's where the, the, the listing agent uh, earns their money. Yeah, and don't you think, though, that's such a difficult task? I mean, that has got to be the most complex thing for the realtor. And I'll tell you what, just tying it back, um, and Steve, I have, I have a ton of respect for you. Um, likewise for you, Wes, you're a fantastic real estate agent. Early in the show here, you just talked about a listing you had where you suggested $30,000. Your, your math, logic, expertise in the marketplace suggested a number that was $30,000 less than what you sort of advised after putting in a very detailed process. And then that seller sort of pulled the veto card on you and said, nope, we're listening for more. And then much to your chagrin, but also you're happy and everything, right? I mean, it's in oh, yeah. escrow now, but it's for more than what logic told you. So no matter how good you are, you're always going to be wrangling it. Sometimes you're right. Sometimes you're wrong. Yeah. Well, I mean it's the market it's the market that's going to dictate the pricing you know mm -hmm. it's the buyer you know period and and we and we have all the all the evidence we have all the information right right at our fingertips but sometimes logic doesn't doesn't come into play it's, it's emotion yep it's true and and pricing is it's an art and not a science and and the reality is and, and what we tell all of our clients is as agents it's not our job to price their properties it's our job to educate them give them lots of good accurate storytelling data so that the decision that they make about pricing will be a good one and sometimes it is and sometimes it's not and sometimes it defies reason and logic and and sometimes that defiance of reason and logic benefits the seller because we test the high end and it works out and other times it doesn't because if you if you price too high a lot of times um, and you don't generate activity right out of the gate you're going to suffer just like we're talking about and end up selling below market value well and you guys well know this but i'll tell you what happened i experienced this as a buyer and i like to think of myself as i was a, a pretty astute buyer um I got beat out of a couple houses that I really wanted. So the next time I stepped up to offer, I was like, you know what? I'm not doing this again. I I love this house and I want this house and I'm just I'm here to throw some money around. I'm getting this one. And, and, that, that's and how so do you common. you didn't know that I was the guy that was going to come forward buying it in a competitive way that I was not going to lose. So no matter how you canceled that seller, I was emotionally charged and not going to lose again, you know? Right. Right, and that's where emotion, you know, comes in, uh, into into play in this business. Anyways, guys, have a great show, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Steve. First, first class guy, Steve. <clears throat> We've got one more caller waiting patiently. We've got Jeff calling from San Luis or uh, Los Osos. Excuse me. Morning, yeah, Jeff. Well, I'm a last class guy. Uh oh. <laughs> Listen, 
all I'm hearing on the radio is uh, we're in another recession or there's another recession coming up. And my question is uh, seller oriented. In other words, if there's few homes or extremely low inventory and another recession comes up, what's that going to do? the market consider the holding power of the seller i i think we're in a different place than we've ever been before um i'll i want to ask you dan when would you say rates began declining here in the um because i'm thinking yeah over the the bigger picture yeah like about 30 some odd years yeah, ago. Yeah, I was going to say 83-ish. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm thinking like the, the Carter to Reagan handoff was where it really got going. And if you look at that historically, um, it means that things are true today that were never true before. And I'll tell you, I, I love using myself as an example because I do think I represent uh, the average person that's bought a house in the last five years. Um, I have a three and a quarter, 30-year fixed. So if there's another recession, um, I don't care. <laughs> I have a payment that's never going to change, and it's never going to get lower based on that. Um, the Prop 13 thing, we know they come down to accommodate you should you have a softened value for some period of time, uh, whatever. My point being, um, those people are going to hang on like never before that have those rates that are the 30-year low, the 50-year low. So um, in terms of what it means today to, to – and Jeff, I thought you were going to go a different angle. Um, I thought you were going to say, is it a good time to sell? Um, and that, that was before. That was – Five or six years ago. Yeah, and you know today is a, it's a fantastic time to sell. If you're at a place where you need to sell, there's probably never been a better time to sell. Um, however, if you have a housing need and you need to re-enter the market, um, it's a pretty tricky time to buy, and that I think is what's causing people. Um, kind of compounding the problem of folks not wanting to sell right now. If you hold, though, I'll tell you, I think you're exactly right. The hold plan, if you can hold your real estate for 10 years, I really think, and this is going to sound crazy to most everybody, I think the average Californian home will double in value in the next 10 years. And you can raise your eyebrows or shake your head or say, this guy's crazy. But I'm telling you, you all underestimate what the ramifications are of us not building houses for 10 years time. We've so far underserved what we needed to keep any kind of semblance of supply and demand. And to boot, when we came out of this recession, so many investors bought property um, for such deeply discounted rates, either cash or the most historical low interest rate in history, and the rents are ever increasing. So you're going to have more and more people like me that are staying because they have an amazing deal on a great 
great loan, investors that are making windfall cash flow that could care less about appreciation, um, absence of, you know, and think about this, look at the rest of the country. We're in a drought here, right? Where we've, we've been having 80 degree days in January and February and March. Um, the rest of the country's like on a freeze out. They're <laughs> soggy. They're hating it. California looks more like paradise than ever. Um, this problem is not going away anytime soon. I couldn't, I mean, I cannot emphasize enough how much I think real estate is going to go through the roof in this state in the next 10 years. Um, is that a good thing? Probably not. Is that the reality? I think so. And if we had another recession, still rents have now exceeded what it is like for guys like me that have a 3% 30-year fixed. Rents are already more than what I'm paying. So what kind of recession is going to have me fire sell my house to go pay more in rent? There isn't one that it's not going to happen. The only way you're going to do that is if you rush out of the state and you're the guy that moves to Florida. Um, well, I've, I've got a few things to say about all that. If you all let right. me jump in, should we, should we let Jeff off the line? Um, sure. All right. Thanks for the call, Jeff. Jeff mentioned this, the scare of recession and, and you know, Friday was a pretty volatile day. I mean, there's some, pretty bad global news and the markets all reacted around the world. Um, but the reality is I, I think a lot of this stuff is media hyped. Uh, I, I mean, the market plunged, but I, I noticed that the two of the three um, articles that Dan has clipped over here, um, jobless rate in California falls to 6.5 us retail spending heats up. I mean, really to me, what I'm experiencing in the real estate marketplace, there's no sign of a pending recession. No. So I, I think there's some media hype going on relative well, to and that maybe, potential. And but. Jeff might be listening to some doom and gloomer, you know, if that's getting spoon fed that media, I, I, that's not on my radar. I actually think that this economy is still being held back. And in the next couple of years, the feds probably actually risk a white hot economy rather than a recession. But uh, on to your your opining that the real estate values are going to double in California. I mean, I, I think we're definitely in for more appreciation. But I had an interesting experience to, that, that gave me some perspective. My, I had a, a relative that visited last week from Texas. And he's in the real estate business. He works for a, a company that does development. Very, very savvy guy. He's been in real estate for over a decade, and, and he knows the marketplace. And, yeah, I showed him a couple of, of houses out here just um, to for comparison's sake so he could see what California looks like versus Texas. And the question that, that was that, – that the obvious question that he posed, how in the world are people affording these houses? And I, and I think that um, – it's a valid question. I mean, the, the if example, they couldn't afford them, we'd have more inventory. Well, I understand, but I mean, just and walk, lower prices. Walk with me through this. I mean, the the house that I described earlier, listing on Monday, and and is now an escrow above asking price. It's pretty much a typical family home. It's a four bedroom home with about twenty five hundred square feet. For our area, that's that's on the big side. I'll, I'll give you that, but we're talking about. Uh, numbers in excess of eight hundred thousand dollars. Yep. What does someone have to make to qualify for an eight hundred thousand dollar home? Well, what's their Depends equity the position? Loan, yeah. Now, I mean, I mean let's, the let's is... say they have a you know an average down payment, twenty percent down payment. <clears throat> what is it going to take to 
in terms of income. So if you borrow thirty, so they're getting a me, jumbo loan. They're right? getting a jumbo loan. So I, I mean, let's call it six hundred dollars for every hundred thousand you borrow. So let's say eight hundred thousand dollar house. They put down twenty percent. That's one hundred and sixty grand. So it's really going to finance six six forty. So take six sixty four. So call it four, roughly four grand. It's going to be about four thousand dollars a month, thirty eight hundred dollars a month. And so that means if they have no other debt, then they need to then make. They need to make upwards of about nine thousand dollars a month. As ninety a grand a year, eighty grand a year. Nine thousand. I mean, we're talking a hundred grand as a household, assuming no other debt. If they have other debt, then they have to be making. So a hundred thousand dollars a year. That's a married couple living at um, working at CMC. Um, those guys together are making $100,000 a year. They can buy an $800,000 house. With now they're house down. poor because their lion's share of their income is going towards their house payment. We see those kind of things all the time. Yeah, but, but it's still a 40%. You know, debt to income yeah. ratio. They and they have a nice sure. sizable income. So they have a lot of discretionary cash yep. too. And so I'm gonna argue that if you're making a hundred grand a year and you got no other debt that you can afford and you've got that kind of down payment, because nobody's buying an eight hundred thousand dollar house with five percent down. You can't do that. You can't get 100% financing on an $800,000 house. So let's take the million-dollar house. The million-dollar house, the dude puts 20% down, borrows eight hundred grand. That payment's $5,000 a month. He needs to be making 10, 11, 12 grand a month. There's people that are paying, you know, they make 120 grand a year and can buy a million-dollar house. That is possible. It is, um, but I don't think it's the norm. I mean, I think yeah, you have well, to— Well, nor is an $800,000 house the norm. Most people have car payments and other debts— um, and, and let's face it, the average income, even in San Luis Obispo, is about $60,000 a year. So we are talking about yeah, but a rather slim As long percentage. as we're talking averages, though, Wes, let's go ahead and do this one. What's been the average um, of all of the real estate transaction? What's the average of full cash purchases? Uh, it's about how you mean of, of the total transactions? Yeah, a third. It's, a, it's about 30%. Where do 30... 30 out of 100 people are walking in with $500,000 cash to buy a house? Yeah. I, I, that dude's got a car payment and credit card bills and four kids. Where did he get a half a million dollars? I don't know. I'm telling you, you're out of touch. I see people's <laughs> finances day in and day out. I helped a couple buy a house earlier this year. The dude's a janitor and the gal works in customer service. Their combined income is $4,000 a month. They bought a house. You... You're crazy, and your dude went back to Texas where it's 105 degrees today with 90% humidity, and he stopped and thought, man, I'd pay 800 grand to go live in that house in that town. Um, it, the reality of it is we live in paradise. Yes, it's expensive, but sadly for you, too many people can afford it. And if you can't, guess what? Go ahead and take your bus ticket and find a place where you can afford to live or where you're happy with the price tag on your house and you can tolerate running your air conditioner for 24 hours a day and or living in tornadoes or swamp land or whatever else is going on, like five feet of ice on the roads in other parts of the country. Here are in January, we had 80 degree days and we are... Um, benefiting from some of the best climate in the world with some of the happiest people because of it, and we can afford it. That's why we're here. If we couldn't well, afford and, it, and, houses would be less. And but yet again, you're talking about median incomes and median home prices and this and that. It varies greatly depending on which city in this county you're talking about. 
Yeah. I think the people that are making the average $60,000 for a household income aren't buying the home in San Luis Obispo. They're buying in Atascadero and Paso Robles and, you know, Napomo and things like that. The people who are making upwards of $100,000, those are the folks who are buying in the more expensive coastal communities and in San Luis Obispo yep. City. So you have very different income and home price uh numbers going on in the different cities well jay case your case is well made i i follow you and i think it, you you make a great case but if home values double the impact on the equation is going to be significant but stop I bet you're, you're isolating things out of context because let me just tell you this real quick you're going to say incomes are also going to go up substantially aren't they double? i mean today's the, the average income is going to double in the Absolutely next not. But what is wage level today equal to 2,000 what? Like roughly 2,000. Okay. We've had stagnant wage growth forever. Um, now, let, just real quick, talk property value. Wes, uh, median home price in San Luis in 2000? Oh. 98, it began to fall, right? People were. I talked to people that were trying to fire sale real estate on broad in 98. So in 2000, what, you could buy a house over there for $275,000? Uh, the, the median home price in 2001 in San Luis was $299,000. Okay. Oh, so wow. wages, we're all in agreement that in 2001, wages were similar to today. Now the median home price in San Luis is what? It's about five in the county. Okay, so it doubled. So Not wages quite. were stagnant and property values nearly doubled. So let's just look forward now 10 more years. Is it possible that wages are stagnant and property values could double again? And I'm going to be careful because don't forget to add on the fact that we're in paradise because people are coming from Bakersfield that are millionaires. They're coming from retiring from Los Angeles. They're getting out of you know, great jobs and they're retiring here and it's paradise. And we do not build a hundred thousand homes a year in our County. So history just told us that wages stayed stagnant and real estate doubled. I actually think wages are going to go up in the next 10 years and real estate will double. Let me just tell you this. If today you're able to buy a house for $500,000 that costs you three grand a month, right? I'm still applying my $600 per month by 100,000 rule. Um, let's fast forward 10 years from now. If that house is a million dollars and interest rates are, what are they going to be? 6%. Okay. So that house now is going to be costing a lot more than the 3000 that we all pay for it, right? Because we all got 30-year fixed, those smart people back from 2015. So we're all paying three grand a month. Their scarcity is still going to be a problem because I'm not selling mine. I got Prop 13 and a 3% 30-year fix, and my payment's half of what everybody else is making today. The people will line up in droves to keep trying to buy paradise here in California because it always has been. Well, and I'm going to throw you a curveball right now. Sure. The way that we're going to achieve home ownership with maybe wages not keeping up with home values is that we're going to build different kinds of homes. We're going to use smaller lots. We're going to... We're gonna, oh, but you know, now you're are, making my point, though, because now my single family on exactly. a half acre Way is more, like a mansion. Right. And so that's what's going to happen. But it's still going to affect the overall median price might not change as much as you're suggesting. But the price for your home is going to change a lot because well, we're going to see more of these um, the, these larger developments, the things that they're talking about trying to do around the airport or on sure. the Delidio property. They're going to be these things that 
where there's more density on smaller footprint lots and, and really taking advantage of maximizing what they can get on a lot. If you went out to some place in Bakersfield and built a co-op in town where you put in 200 units that were half the price of the average single family, um, that'd probably really impact that market. If you did that here, sadly, it's a drop in the bucket because we have so many people that want to buy and can't afford it, that want to be here and can't stay because they can't afford to own a home and they recognize how significant it is. People talk to every graduating class from Cal Poly. Everybody wishes they could stay here. Very few people actually can. The people that can and actually buy real estate prove to be the anomaly that no matter what you build here, what you put here, people will line up in droves to buy it because it's paradise and it's not going to get any cheaper. And for those that think it's unsustainable, sadly, you're going to sideline yourself today where in 10 years, the houses are all going to be a million bucks. And yeah, you might be able to work at CMC and instead of making 70 grand, you're going to be able to make 140. That's probably possible. I mean, wage inflation, especially for government jobs, I do think is likely. But the people that buy today, when that inflation takes hold, are going to be in such a good spot. And and people recognize that. That's why when you put a price, a properly priced home on the market today, it sells in less than a week. Well, I'm convinced, and I, I've got to... Um exit the show now but you gotta go I, reline your fishing bowl i think if everyone if all your listeners are convinced they should call me and let me help them get in to a, a property now before it doubles i think i'm gonna just go um i'm gonna start doing real estate <laughs> yeah well you should buy six or seven houses jay yeah, I I believe me, I think it's the best possible thing that anybody could do right now. And if I could, I would. Um, as you well know, I cannot deploy assets to make down payments on investment property. Therefore, I my hands are tied. While you know how strongly I feel about this, I really honestly think that buying especially starter level homes right now, anywhere in this County is a stroke of genius. And I wish I could. Well, I, I don't disagree with that. How can people call you Wes, if they want to buy a home before 801 fish, <laughs> <laughs> it's a 801 7061. That's my direct line. I'll be glad to help you out. We've got lots of tools and resources. Jason's referenced uh, some of the data that, that we provide to, to our clients. If you want to just get signed up to receive some of that, shoot me an email, Wes at Wes Burke, com. I'll go you one further because I think you failed to talk about this a lot. Um, guys, go to westburk.com. You can set up custom searches for your neighborhood. It's cool to see what's being listed, what's selling. Um, even if you're not in the market, just to stay in tune with that stuff. If you are in the market, you can cut up, set up search criteria where you can find homes that you're looking for in the, the value ranges or the amenities that you require. Um, the site is actually really cool and there's no, um, you don't need to search 10 different sites to keep up with the listing stuff. All of that stuff is up to date and accurate at westburk.com. I, I, I seriously do. I look at it like most, most every night. Great. That's great. Um, I appreciate the plug. I like it a lot. Wes, thanks for being with us. Good luck on your fishing experience. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right, buddy. All right. We're going to do a quick commercial break. We'll be back to wrap up the show.
To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending, Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Hey, imagine if you bought like five houses in 2010. That would have been genius. Dude, you'd be set up right now. Close escrow this week for a couple that bought a new house in Templeton. These guys bought a house in Atascadero in 2010 and nearly doubled their money in it. And then it became a fatty down payment on this place in Templeton. And yeah, their house payment went up a little bit because they, I mean, they moved from like a thousand square foot house in Atascadero to a nice Templeton home, but totally like it's somebody else's money. Just, <laughs> you know what I mean? When they bought their house the first time, the down it was minimal down payment that was like scraping funds together to get it done. And this time was like, oh yeah, no, we're, we're putting 35% down. No problem. Yeah. I really honestly think we'll be looking back in the, in three or four years and be saying the same thing. Like those 2010 people, wow, what a stroke of genius. But the 2013, 14, 15 people, you were lucky too. I, I think so. I You know, the whole that 
Jeff earlier calling about the recession. I, you know, you made the great point. We're we're doing full documentation loans for people who demonstrate an ability to repay these loans. Their payments never going to change. They're never going to be struck with a balloon payment or anything like that. These are affordable loans that are predictable for the full thirty-year term of the loan, and. You know, so even even in the face of declining values, should that happen, which I don't subscribe to, we've got people who aren't going to walk away and aren't going to cause this systemic well, issue about, with falling real estate think prices. Think about the like, how long has it been since the bank-owned properties were dominating the market? It's probably been about two to three years now. So going back to 2011, 2012, yeah, um, those people made so much equity. Now they're not at a risk of losing their house. And they have amazing interest rates. Most of those people have refinanced already into the the crazy low rates. Yeah, they're and if you think about it, the the price point at which people bought homes for the last several years, um, rents have exceeded them now. You know, like I it, it's you could buy a home a couple a couple years ago. Um, the payments that you're getting because of the interest rate and stuff are. Uh, your payment's less than rent today, and the rent is not going down. Rent is going up. So you really got to think about it. Let's say that it, if the market gets tough, okay, three years from now, two years from now, whenever this next recession happens. I did air quotes on recession. <laughs> um, but think about that. You're you're going to be – everybody has to have a house. So are you going to have to lose your home? Um, and if rents at that point are more than your house payment – you can't lose your home because you can't even afford to rent, let alone go rent with your bad credit. So what are you going to do? In 2005, those people's payments was like three, $4,000 a month and rents were like 2000 bucks a month. So you could lose your house and go rent and be, you know, in a better cash flow position every month. That's not really true today. It's not, you're not working with the same logic and the same variables. Yeah. It's, it's a very different market that that I think is just in the early phases of warming up and and um you know that goes not only for real estate but a lot of the the general economy. I th I think it's just beginning to warm up and once we let the reins loose it's going to be um it's going to be interesting to see how people the wage growth changes and and all those kind of things. We've got a caller here um waiting online or waiting on the line, uh, Greg from San Luis Obispo. Good morning. Good morning, morning. Greg. I, I was kind of cut off getting on my phone, so this might be a little redundant, but, uh, you know, we had that, those foreclosures and short sales. I'm wondering in San Luis Obispo how it would impact if somebody was a homeowner at that point. Did they lose uh, a lot of money at that, or did that stay the same on their home? The actual, like the San Luis foreclosures? Yeah. There was plenty of people that lost a good amount of money on the foreclosures. Because even San Luis, I mean, for I remember... In 2010, I remember people were buying those starter homes over off Ocean Air for like 290 grand. The stick built single family residence, you know, it's that 1100 square foot three two, but for 290, that is unbelievable. So the people that bought those for 550 and sold them for 290, took it in the shorts or went bankrupt, whatever happened. But sadly, those homes over there today are worth 500 grand again. So anybody that held on while it was emotional, it, it passed and they're in a good spot today. Um, but yeah, some people lost money for sure. Yeah. 
I was, you know, it sounded like this a for sure deal, but I, to me that seems like that is a risk somebody needs to consider, especially if they're thinking of making money in real estate as opposed to a place to live. Right. And that, that I, I feel like those days are somewhat behind us. I mean, there's still people, there's always going to be people who are speculating in real estate, but I think, you know, the people that we see transacting real estate frequently here or, or in, all the customers that we're seeing, they're buying for a, a purpose of that's very thought out. It's it's either for a roof over their own heads or it's for a, a very well thought out investment property that cash flows. You know, it, funny that you say that, Dan. Um, think about investment properties in San Luis. Uh, it's estimated that San Luis housing stock is roughly 60% tenant occupied. Right. Think about how many loans we did last year. Out of 100% of loans we did, how many were for investment properties? Not 60%. I'll tell you that. You think that. it was 10? No, yeah, I, I think we probably did maybe as, as many as 15 to 20% investment property. No, the, the lion's share is for owner-occupied People buying for shelter. Yeah. Yep. Greg, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate it. Uh, you're breaking up. You still there? Yeah, it sounds like we got a bad connection. Thanks much for calling in today. We appreciate the phone call. Yeah, so I I just I I cannot be convinced. You cannot convince me that it's not uh that real estate's volatile or going down. I mean, will is it going to be clearly doubling in the next 10 years? No, we might have some periods where it's a little slow. There might even be some periods where you see reduction in listing prices or something. It's hard for me to figure out how or when that's going to happen. But um, all in all, what a fantastic time to buy real estate. The other thing that I want to say that I think speaks to the stability of the real estate market today, how often do people come in who are buying a home, who both both new home buyers and experienced home buyers who are getting pre-qualified and they actually qualify for way more loan than they're comfortable with uh, paying each month. The monthly it, payment exceeds that they can qualify for. The monthly payment exceeds what they want to pay. So much so <laughs> that when somebody comes in to get pre-qualified for a home and I look and they're on the edge of qualification, I look at them like there's something wrong with you that you're maxing out your that budget. You're, yeah, yeah, that you're voluntarily putting yourself in such a precarious position because 90 something percent of the people that come in, we tell them, hey, well, the great news is you qualify for a $750,000 house. And they're like, wow, I'd, I had drawn the line at 500000 I would not be able to do anything if my payment was more than you know X, which is that much cheaper house. I think the, the majority of people who are qualifying at the maximum end of their debt-to-income ratio that's allowed by mortgage guidelines are entry-level buyers who... You know, their their incomes are lower, and just because they're trying to squeeze their way into the housing game, they kind of have to max out their budget to afford what's available here. But they're still either matching their rent payment or, or, or maybe in some cases even lowering their rent, their housing expense versus what they were renting for. Yep. So really, cash flow-wise, they're not experiencing a radical change in what their outflow is. But they are at the upper end of qualifying. Sure. People who are in the the move up to upper end home, they're the ones who are not maxing out their budgets. They're they're well within what they can afford. So I think those kind of things, 
are really reinforce the stability of this housing market today. People aren't pushing the limits. People aren't speculating as much. And if they are, it's it's something well within their budget. Right. I got a question from a listener that sure. uh, is driving a car. So asked me to pass it on. Um, she's wondering if you could address how the drought is going to be affecting real estate in our area. I think you know, the big thing is about building. You know, it's going to impact building. The existing homes Which is are, only further going to cause a scarcity issue and push home values even higher. Agreed. It's either... Um, so they're either going to reduce... It's going to slow down the building process, which is going to add to the supply-demand issue, or they're going to raise and or they're going to raise fees for putting water to this, a build site. So that's going to raise the price that ultimately the, the builder has to fetch. And, when selling. you know, I, I'm not a water expert, so I don't want to go too far down this path. But let me just tell you guys this. Um, California is not at risk of running out of water. I don't care what your argument is. Here's mine. Um, We're going to run out of cheap water, period. That's it. We're going to run out of cheap water. The water that's in our local reservoir or our Mm. groundwater, as we well know, we see it getting uh, depleted or radically diminished in many places of California. Um, That's cheap water. That's water that's all right here. It's pretty easy to tap into. In some cases, you don't even need to pump it. we may run out of cheap water. California is not going to run out of water. Um, think about the pipeline they built to haul oil from Alaska. Mm-hmm. Um, we are capable. I mean, other parts of the country here are drowning in water. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to get more expensive. That's for darn sure. And if we hit a full-blown crisis level here where a state emergency is declared and federal resources are called upon to help construct a pipeline to bring water from Alaska, because I was in a place in Alaska uh, just last year where it rains uh, what do they say? 14 inches a month or some crazy. I mean, it rains every single day. Um, mm. I, I mean, I'm not going to argue that it's good to be piping water from some other part of the world to us, but we're not going to run out of water. We're going to run out of cheap water. Agreed. We may have already done that. Um, but that being said, you're not going to find a place where, uh, hey, sadly, you were one of the schmucks that bought a house in Paso Robles, mm-hmm. and now you can't get water. So you got to either stay in your house and die or <laughs> give your house away <laughs> as you're going to go move to a place that has water. That's not going to happen. We also think you need to look like places like Los Angeles and even here on the coast, San Diego. We got a big pool out there called the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, they're going to figure out the desalinization here real quick. We're Mm -hmm. out of cheap water. Yeah, All those other ways that you can get more expensive water, we're going to be really good at that. And we're going to get good at making that expensive water a little bit cheaper. Uh Um, This was supposed to be the El Nino year. Our reservoirs were all supposed to be full. I know I talked a lot about it. Everything I saw, especially from the warm water coming up the coast, it was freakish in the way everything happened. Um, But so to go back and answer the question specifically, um, the water thing is going to have no impact um, on the downside. On the uh, on it the will value, more it's going to make things more expensive. But I think also it's going to make the houses that are here more expensive because one of the things when you're out of water, you can't build new homes. I mean, right. look at Los Osos. So many people said for so many years, for like 30 years, oh, when the sewer comes in, boom, the building's going to blow up. This place is going to become the next Manhattan Beach. Right. Those people all forgot that there was already a building moratorium because of water 
in Los Osos. That's been there for 30 years. You're not going to have explosive growth out there when the sewer problem solved. There's a water problem. Um, there's a, and look at everywhere around here, there's a water. California is a water problem. It's basically an arid desert. And no matter whether you think, you know, we did it with global warming and climate change and by you use too much Aquanet in the eighties, no matter what you think did this, California is just not a super wet place. Yeah. And we're going to have to figure out how to deal with that. It's not, we're not going to be giving away our California houses to head for Oregon because of the drought. Well, I think I, I, as, as much as I go to Southern California, but I, I, I hate to say it, but I think we kind of need to force places like Los Angeles and San Diego to start looking at that rather than taking it from the North. Yeah. I think we really need to force it. Yeah. Before too long, you know, once it comes down to like what happened in the, the recession here, when so many people decided to let their house go into foreclosure, um, is you end up making the decision, are you going to feed your kids or make your mortgage payment? Um, so sadly we're all this, I think as a human race, we're just so stupid that we can't look far enough down the head and anticipate the consequences. We're just always forced to deal with the repercussions. We react instead of proact and yeah so at some point we'll have to cut them off because we'll be deciding do we give them some water or do we you know keep watering our own people um i got a friend actually that lives up in northern california and they're right now they've they've got lawyers working on the the fact that they're farmers and they they're having to reinforce their water rights yeah to be able to water their fields so it's going to come down to you know play do you want to eat or do you want to have water yeah well, it's a tricky yeah. thing. I mm. mean, the more you go down that water path, like talking about I mean, California as an agricultural exporter is huge. So then at some point, does the government have to say, California, you're no longer able to export any crop, grow only what your actual state citizens need? And we're still the California economy depends so much on agriculture that that would be like the death blow. So it's a crazy complex issue. Um, so many layers of complexity that there's no way we could totally say anything succinctly about it. Besides, we're out of cheap water. We're not out oh, of it's water. It's going to cost money. To we're gonna, now lines, we're just moving so. on to the very expensive water. Yeah. And uh, the sky's the limit there. There was a, a cartoon in um, The Week, one of the periodicals I read, and it was two Martians looking beings on a planet where there was a pipe. <laughs> the pipe tapped into the center of the planet and ran through the galaxy down to Earth. And the Martian caption said, um, I suppose we should have known it was inevitable when NASA discovered liquid water here. Um, you know, that's to me, that's what's going to happen with water. No matter where we have to get it from, we're going to mm. get it. it. Sadly, it's just going to become very expensive to get it. Uh, but hey, that's what happens when you build like California really is like an arid desert. And uh, and we love our water. Everybody needs it, wants it, has it, wastes it. Um, I was, as the irony of it, you know, the, all the, the water thing going on and I'm not picking on universal studios, but I was just there the other, about a week or so ago. And the temperature was like it is here today. And they're running the misters while waiting in line. I was like, there we go. Come on guys, figure this one out. You know, there's a drought, right? The, the wind, you know, the, the, just the fans would be great. You could turn the water off. Yep. 
Dan, I had so much stuff I wanted to talk about today. Me too. I spent hours yesterday because, you know, I wasn't I wasn't here for two weeks in a row. I put so much stuff together. Um maybe we can oh there's like, Maybe we should get together next week and do this again. All right. Oh man, there's so much good stuff. There yeah. you know, building reports, job reports, bank earnings. Um I feel like I'm, I can't even go there. I'm free about this time next week. On, yeah, you, know, you want to Saturday run around nine a.m. We can we can do this. We can run it back next week. Yeah, yeah, we'll try it again. I think next week we have Tom Bordenaro joining us as a guest. I have been looking forward to that for months. That's always such yeah. a great segment. Yeah, we try He's to a get great interview. We try to get Tom um, on the show about once a year just to talk about property taxes. It's a great opportunity for you as a listener if you have questions about how properties are assessed about the, the prop 13 prop 8 um effects on property taxes it's a great opportunity to to talk to the man in charge yeah so um you know we we appreciate the participation today we're looking for more of it next week um you know dan jeff steve greg all of your calls are are much appreciated your comments it helps make the show a better show for everyone earlier in the show we talked about credit and some of the impacts of credit. Um, and I just want to remind you guys that, uh, you know, you guys hear our commercials. We're the mortgage experts. It's what we do. And um, so much of that does depend on our ability to help you with credit, um, not only to dispel some of those myths, but also help you uh, fix or repair credit, things that you need to build on. If you're if you have an interest in buying a house, whether it's tomorrow or in two years, um, we'd love to help you get on that path. So you can give us a call. We're, uh, we're always available. The number one phone number rings all of our offices. It's 543-LOAN, which is 543-5626. Additionally, um, our website, centralcoastlending.com, we've got lots of great material on there. You can kind of catch up on some of the loan programs and what their requirements are. We've got tips and tricks and other just great things. Learn little economic tidbits. Keep track of what interest rates are. Um, again, that's centralcoastlending.com. If you're listening today thinking that you want to take advantage of these, um, we never even mentioned in the show today, interest rates are back to about a 30-day low. They were building a little bit higher and now they're phenomenally low again so if you've felt like you're on the cusp maybe of considering refinancing i'll tell you what we specialize in um, we really like to compare the cost benefit analysis for you of refinancing um, what will it cost you and what will you save translate that into a kind of a break-even period for you to help you make a logical decision of whether or not you should refi if For you, those of you who are interested in buying, let's get your application process going, get you pre-qualified, get you a full loan approval so you can make a very competitive offer in what's going to prove to be a very competitive summer purchase season. We can we can put you in a position to make 17-day closing offers um, if we get the ball rolling now so that you're ready to, to compete with those cash buyers. That's right. So thanks much for being with us this week, you guys. We'll be back next week with Tom Bordenauer, our county tax assessor. And uh, we're looking forward to another great show. Thank you much for the callers and participation. Have a great week. <laughs>